We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. We support Michael, and we support all the guys that are opting out. That's a personal choice, and they have that right. Um, you know, and we wish them all the best. We wish Michael the best, and we hope that, um, you know, whenever he does come back, you know, he's ready to go. But for right now, Michael did what's right, what's uh, best for Michael. And, you know, I support him fully and 100% in that way. We're back with more Inside the Clubhouse with Bruce Levine and Matt Spiegel on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com, Chicago's sports station. Zach Zabin filling in for Speaks. We're broadcasting live from the Hyundai Studios, brought to you by your local Hyundai dealers. The voice you heard coming into the segment was that of White Sox reliever Aaron Bummer, who joined us last hour. And part of the conversation was about his teammate, Michael Kopech, who has elected to sit out the 2020 season. Bruce, all guests on the Alpamonte Ford hotline, Alpamonte Ford in Melrose Park. Join us now, and Bruce, we've got another heavy hitter from the South Side. One of the greatest analysts in the history of baseball for TV and radio, our good friend Steve Stone joining us uh, on Inside the Clubhouse. Steve, welcome, and uh, I'm looking forward to a baseball season 12 days from now. I'm sure you are as well. I really am because... Truly, Bruce, I mean, they say it every year, and it is true. Um, Anything can happen, but this year it's especially true because anything can happen. You could have teams. um, I remember the 2006 Cardinals. They won uh, 83 games and won the World Series. The 87 Twins, who maybe were the worst World Series uh, champions ever, if you're looking at run differential. So this is a year where a team that nobody thought had a chance starts getting out early they start believing in themselves and all of a sudden you find them in the playoffs they get a couple of hot pitchers they get a run going and i think you're going to see some things this year that you might never see again but it's going to make this season uh terribly entertaining stoney what what in particular do you mean when you say things that we've never seen before as a baseball man what kind of strikes you about what could happen in a 60 game season you could see a guy hitting 400. Uh, that's certainly conceivable. We have some guys who are able to do it for short periods of time. And when you, when you want to lift out 60-game segments from any particular season, you see some eye-popping stats that you won't see over 162. I always say in 162 games, there are very few aberrations. Uh, usually, the best team in the division wins. 
The best hitters start to rise to the top. The best pitchers over the course of a year, you find them at the top of that. But uh, with 60 games, truly, you can find uh, a hitter getting off to a really good start, and all of a sudden you find that uh, he's either leading the league in home runs or he's uh, he's doing some things that you never thought. I mean, you look at the last couple of seasons, and you'll find over – a 60-game stretch, if you if you pull it out, you'll see some guys hitting uh, 26, 27, even 28 home runs over a 60-game period. You normally wouldn't see a whole lot of that, but now, you know, you might lead the league. You might get a guy who gets hot. You lead the league uh, where a guy couldn't possibly do it over the long stretch because pitchers will catch up to hitters. They might not be able to catch up to hitters this early this year. So that's why I think uh, – Although it's not going to be ideal and everybody says, well, it's not going to matter. It's this, it's that. There's a lot of people that are going to tell you what's wrong with this particular incarnation of the 2020 season. But there's going to be other people who welcome back the game of baseball, understand these are unique times, and baseball is trying to make do to put an entertaining product on the field with a safety-first approach. And I personally want to get back to baseball. I mean, as delightful as it's been to sit around and do nothing, I think coming back to baseball is going to be good for a whole lot of people. And certainly I am really looking forward to uh, to watching games and to uh, to working with my partner, Jason Benetti. Steve, uh, thinking back to 1981 and then to 1995, uh, truncated seasons of the past, and the challenges of pitchers getting ready rather quickly, what do the White Sox and the other 29 teams have to be uh, cognizant of when uh, getting their pitchers ready uh, in this three-week period now to uh, do uh, even a 60-game season because it's uh, 63, 60 games in 63 days. Well, Bruce, I see fastballers having a big advantage. So the guys with hard-throwing pitching staffs probably will have a big advantage over the other guys. The reason being that it usually takes a pitcher I don't know, three weeks or so, maybe a little bit longer into the season. I'm not even talking about the three weeks of spring training, but three weeks a little bit longer into the season to really tighten up those curveballs and sliders to get the best spin possible. Sure, you're going to be able to throw a good curveball, but you're not going to be able to throw one nine out of ten times. You're going to be able to throw it maybe seven out of ten times because building up arm strength is something that takes a while. And it's not necessarily the strength of velocity because velocity comes from the shoulder. Movement, both in a slider and a curveball and a sinker, and that comes from the elbow, essentially. And so it takes a little bit longer to have a, a consistent breaking ball, to be able to throw it for strikes when you want to. And understand, you know, a, um, a poorly located fastball sometimes... Uh, you can miss with it and still get some people out. But a hanging curveball, they don't get a lot of people out. And so I'm thinking that the White Sox have an advantage. they got some guys that throw pretty hard. And I think they'll have an advantage early. Plus, one of the things that they have to be aware of, and that's one of the reasons why um, you know, losing Michael Kopech, although it is a blow for the White Sox, probably the best thing for him. Because getting ready as quickly as he can, knowing how long he spent away from the game, it probably he's better served not not trying to speed things up and get ready to go this year. So, you know, every team will have different challenges. Nobody knows how many people are going to test positive in the course of a season. And understand, if you're laid off for two weeks in a 60-game season, 
miss 25% of the season. So it's hard to predict who's going to step up, who's not. Maybe it could be as easy as the team has to get lucky in not having the positive tests and injuries to players that they really count on. Because if you're put on a shelf for any reason in a short season, it's devastating. That's an excellent point. Visiting with Steve Stone here on Inside the Clubhouse on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. Stoney, I, I want to go back to what you were saying about Kopech because the fan reaction has been all over the map uh, in regard to his decision. And you said it earlier, we are living in unique times, and I don't think it's fair to criticize uh, a player for electing to sit out in the climate that we're in. I'm kind of surprised that so few players have elected to sit out now, and I don't know how it's going to be moving forward. But everyone has a personal decision about, number one, um, their health, uh, physical health, as far as performing is concerned. If they're coming back from injuries, can they come back and, and gear it up soon enough? But also from a, uh, you know, from a pragmatic standpoint is... Uh, COVID-19 hanging out there and the health for not only them but for their families. It's a very personal decision and that's why I think you'll see every organization when any of their players opt out they're going to say you know we support him 100% we look forward to having him in in, uh, 2021 Um, but again this is a decision that that they have to make solely uh, by themselves but with considerations of their family involved you know there's multi-generational homes. Not everybody lives in their own home. Some people still live in, in homes where you have not only parents, but maybe grandparents, one of them living in that home. And that's something to take into consideration. So I, I don't think it's fair for fans. The fans, of course, are going to criticize uh, any of the players because they criticize everything anyway, not only fans, but just people. Uh, they criticize things, and that's okay. That, that's fine. They have a right to certainly, but I can't hold it against any player who makes a decision for his own health and the health of his family to decide to opt out this year. Steve Stone with us, uh, joining us on Inside the Clubhouse. He's Zach Zaidman. I'm Bruce Levine. This is Inside the Clubhouse, presented 52 weeks out of the year, every Saturday from 9 to 11 on The Score Steve, what are fair expectations from Luis Robert? Um, I know you haven't gotten to see him much alive, but I know you saw him a little bit in spring training, as we all did. Saw him a lot on tape and in games that were uh, sent back to Chicago from his minor league career. But, uh, you know, going Ken Griffey, going Willie Mays with him, uh, with the tool set that he has, what's, what's fair going into his first year? I don't think anybody can tell you that, Bruce. Um, uh, what's fair is the fact that the sky is the limit as far as his ability, but there's a long road before you get great tools and Willie Mays in the same sentence or great tools and Ken Griffey in the same sentence. I mean, first of all, we don't know how strong his mind is going to be. We don't know how fragile or durable he's going to be. So, you have to start with great tools, and he has that. That's not going to be a problem because I did watch him in spring training. You know, he's got a magnificent arm. He's very fast. He's big. He's strong. He's got everything you would need. He, he tortured minor league pitchers. So can he get off quickly? Yeah. I assume he can get off very quickly, and one of the reasons is I don't think the tightness of the breaking ball is going to affect him 
early in the season. I think he's going to see a lot of fastballs. I think that most hitters will. And, you know, we've seen a lot of guys start off very quickly, Bruce, and uh, all of a sudden the league catches up to them, and suddenly they start seeing lots and lots of breaking balls. I mean, Eloy Jimenez was that way. Uh, after he just obliterated some fastballs, he started seeing nothing but curveballs, many of them in the dirt. And he was swinging at all of them. And he was swinging at face-high fastballs. And then all of a sudden he decided, you know what, I can't really hit those pitches, so I have to lay off them. Then he did, and he started really stinging the ball again. So if you look at, if you look at the skills of Eloy Jimenez, who's just a wonderfully talented player, and then look at the skill set that Lewis Robert has, Robert does just about everything uh, a little bit better than Eloy. Now, will he be as good a hitter? I don't really know. But he's faster, his arm is much better, he's quicker, he has all of those things. But Eloy was able to adjust very quickly. Eloy is a smart person and he's a smart player. And he realized what pitchers were starting to do to him. Now, granted, he had a longer time to adjust. But I think Lewis Roberts is going to be a star. I don't think there's anything can stop him from being a star except one thing, and that's his body. If his body starts to break down, he's not going to achieve what we all believe he's going to, and that's something that you can't predict. We know as a young player he had some physical problems, but as you get older many times and you get used to a professional season, a long professional season, some guys, many guys, uh, they their bodies adjust to it and they don't get hurt near as much, and hopefully that's the case with Robert. But you know, as far as uh, the, the 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 ceiling, the ceiling's unlimited. And, and Steve, every baseball expert we talk to says the same thing that you just said about Robert. And we're in the business, and you hear it on sports radio. You, you'll read it in in different columns uh, across the board. Everyone likes to compare. That's what we do. That's what makes sports fun. Mm-hmm. When you watch him, what's the comparison that you make based on? the skills that you've seen what's a fair comparison okay so let let's think back to the recent past and maybe a guy that's pretty familiar in uh, in uh, chicago and the first name that comes to my mind because i saw him as a young player and then i saw him as an older player and then i saw him restart his career when he came to chicago andre dawson comes to mind because Andre had a great arm, and Andre could really run, and he could hit the ball a long way. Now, I think Robert has a chance to be a better hitter, a better pure hitter than uh, than Andre Dawson was. But as far as a slugger and as far as a defender and everything else, Andre Dawson comes to mind when I think of Lewis Robert. But Robert is faster than Andre was, and Andre could run. I mean, there are very few guys in this league who could run with Lewis Robert in a flat-out sprint. He's... He's just a magnificently gifted athlete. And I'm hoping for the sake of Lewis Robert, the sake of the White Sox, and the sake of baseball, because we want to see superstars in this league. I'm hoping that he's able to stay together. I'm hoping that he's able to achieve what we think he can and take potential, take vast potential and turn it into vast performance. That nobody can really answer. So when Steve Stone was coming up as a young pitcher, he had great uh, pitching coaches and, and managers. But if Steve Stone didn't get the job done on the field, uh, he was going to go back to the minor leagues. Now, uh, you have a situation like with Ronaldo Lopez, who had a, a tremendous season, uh, even though the wins weren't there, uh, which he didn't have control of in 2018. Last year, just uh, came off 
you know, the, the, the wheels came off totally. He talked about going to mental skills uh, people this year and improving that. Is that uh, one of the bigger differences in baseball these days compared to when you played and the ability of people to uh, relate to the individual and getting his mind as strong as his physical tools are? Well, that's one of the, the great differences, Bruce, because although we've really refined the physical aspect, I mean, you go into a training room and you look at what these guys are going through and you see um, just how skilled all of these strength coaches and the, and, and the, uh, and the regular, you know, your, your, uh, your people in your clubhouse, all the trainers and what they do, um, that's really made quantum leaps from when I played. However, the biggest improvement is in the mental aspect of competition. And for Ronaldo, physically, he's got everything you'd really need. And I think he had a tendency to wander mentally. And there are ways to fix that. There are people who can help you do that. I had to devise a system myself because although I saw a few of them, nobody put together a package that said, okay, if you do A, B, C, D, E, and F, G is winning. G is a fine performance. You just do the first five or six things and, and great performance will follow. Well, I was able to do that, and I started it in the middle of 1979 to the end of 1980. I still had a good arm. I hadn't been injured yet, uh, you know, seriously injured. And so um, I, I employed it starting after the All-Star break in 1979 through the 1980 season. And I made 50 5-0 starts, and I lost seven times. So in 50 starts with seven losses, um, I think you can see that it really helped me. But also, I felt, as I think Ronaldo feels and everybody who's in the major leagues feels, uh, except maybe if you're Verlander or Cole or some of the greats, um, I felt there was a better pitcher in there. I couldn't understand how to get him out. And I had to devise a way that I felt would find that better pitcher. Maybe he wasn't there, but I was hoping he wasn't. It turned out he was, but it was... It was strictly a set, as I describe it, of mental gymnastics. And now we have so many people doing that. Lucas Giolito talked about it a lot. Dylan Cease talks about it a lot. There are people that can help you do this. And for me, it was a game changer. It completely turned my career around. I was under 500 when I started this. And the streak that I went on was something that, you know, most pitchers are not capable of doing. I didn't know if I was capable of doing it. I thought maybe, you know, something close, but not like that. And the only thing I changed was the mental approach to the game. And if Ronaldo has sought out and he talks about seeking out somebody to help him, <clears throat> I think he's got a chance to be um, a really good pitcher because, you know, when you can throw 97 to 99 miles an hour consistently, you have as good a changeup as he has, and you can occasionally locate that slider. I think you're talking about a guy with a chance to be something special. Now we have to see if his mind is going to allow him to do that. It is fascinating what you just said, Stoney, just the, the journey <laughs> mentally, because it's different for every player to reach the full potential. I want to zoom back a little bit and look at the White Sox within the landscape of the American League Central. And you said it, and I think you're right, that everyone's got a chance in a 60-game season. But, you know, let's focus on the teams last year that the White Sox were targeting, and that's Minnesota yeah. and Cleveland, and where mm -hmm. they now fit in when you look at those two teams. Well, certainly Minnesota is the team that everybody looks to and says, okay, they are going to win the division. They've got a good chance of... Uh, 
of winning it all. They're considered one of the best teams in the American League, certainly right there with the Yankees. If you look at their their offensive skills, they're awesome. I mean, they've got some guys that, that can really bash the baseball. We saw that last year. And they're returning a whole lot of those guys, and they improved their pitching staff. So, yeah, I think uh, you probably rate them as number one in the division. But, you know, we always talk about playoffs. We talk about getting to the playoffs. And if you can get to the playoffs, you can take out a team like Minnesota in, say, oh, three games, like what happened last year. This team, of all these bashers, uh, all of a sudden the pitchers got to them and it was bye-bye Minnesota. You know, you had a nice year. Congratulations. A lot of guys hit a home run. Now go home and watch the rest of the real big boys play. And the same thing could happen this year. I think you could find, and I know you're going to find some teams that really surprise you. All you have to do is get to the dance. If you can get to the dance, then this year especially anybody can win it. So, yeah, look, Minnesota has the inside track. Cleveland is right there, but Cleveland is going to, they're going to miss the leadership of Corey Kluber, I think. Um, I think he was a big example to that very young staff, and the staff is good. Uh, I think uh, for Indians fans, what probably happened with this, as Bruce called it, a truncated season, which it certainly is, is they will resist the uh, the desire to to trade Lindor. I think Lindor was definitely gone. Um, I was pretty sure when the season started, Kluber and Lindor would not be around into uh, even just before the trading deadline. Then Kluber was gone, obviously, and uh, I think they'll probably keep Lindor now. So that makes them. That makes them a little bit better. So Cleveland is right there. But um, if the White Sox can get off to a good start, and you have to get off to a good start because unlike any year before when we talk about it's a marathon and not a sprint, well, it is a sprint this year. It's not a marathon any longer. And so you get off to a good start, and the team starts to believe in itself, which is the main thing to, to compete and successfully compete in anything, self-belief. If a team starts to believe in itself, uh, there's no telling where it can take you. And you don't have to put together that many winning streaks to wind up in the playoffs. And once you're in the playoffs, you get a couple of good pitchers. I mean, look at Giolito last year. The only pitcher in baseball to shut out both the Astros and the Twins in their home ballparks. Lucas Giolito, who was one of the worst pitchers in baseball two years ago and one of the best pitchers in baseball last year. There's nothing saying that Dylan Cease cannot do the same thing. And you get those two guys in a short series pitching well, literally the White Sox could beat any team on the planet. Now, I'm not saying that's going to happen again, but it could happen. It's conceivable. Both of them have the talent. Then you put Dallas Keuchel in there, and the guy who, you know, in a short season, he's not going to wear down. He's going to be ready to go, and that sinker probably is going to be a whole lot better along with that cutter. And you suddenly have got yourself, you know, a, a pretty good situation there, as well as Again, if Lopez can come back and throw the ball like he did a couple of years ago, again, this is a pretty decent pitching step. Plus, you got a pretty good bullpen. Um, so for the White Sox, they're all as one looking forward to this year. But any team is dangerous. And, you know, they tell you, well, look, it's in the Central, and, and, you know, the Tigers in Kansas City aren't all that good. Well, the Tigers get some pretty good young pitching, and maybe that young pitching steps up. I don't know. You know, so... What looks to be a couple of softer teams, I don't think there's going to be any soft teams right away. I think you got to you got to bear down each game like it's the World Series. And boys, every manager is going to do something completely different than he did in years past. And that is, 
you're going to have to convince each and every one of the players in this team that today is a playoff game. Go out and win today because it's of critical importance to this young season. Steve, we appreciate the time and the expertise as always. The friendship has been there between you and I for over 30 years, and it is uh, something I uh, really appreciate and cherish. Uh, looking forward to you and Jason on uh, July the 24th doing the first Sox game. Thanks again uh, for joining us on Inside the Clubhouse. Talk to you soon, pal. Well, thanks, Bruce. And uh, I look forward to when you have to change the name of your show to Outside the Clubhouse because that's been a year it's been. <laughs> I already talked to Mitch Rosen about that. That's a great idea. <laughs> Thanks again, Steve. Take care. Okay, guys. Bye, Zach. Take we, care. Uh, Zach, we have to take a break. And uh, Ron Coomer, the color analyst for Cub Baseball on 670 The Score and Radio.com all year long will be joining us next. A conversation with the Coom Dog ahead on Inside the Clubhouse on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Inside the clubhouse rolls on on Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score, Zach Zapin with you. So is Bruce Levine. 670, the score's baseball guru is at Wrigley Field watching the Cubs work out. I want to remind you that inside the clubhouse guests join us on the Alpamonte Ford hotline, Alpamonte Ford in Melrose Park. And of course, your partner, as well as Pat Hughes, our good friend and color analyst on all Cub baseball heard on the score and radio.com. Ron Coomer joins us live from Wrigley Field as well. I can see Coombs right next to me, and Coombs, welcome. Well, thanks, Bruce. First of all, I didn't know Z, we were going to get entertainment. Now, I was on listening, and I didn't know Bruce had the great voice. You know, he's doing Vooks. Vuk's uh, commercial before, and he's singing, and he was dancing next to me. I, you know, he's in the booth right next to us, and, you know, this is just good entertainment here. Heck with PP. You know, when you have the unique circumstances that we have right now, you have to find creative ways to get in shape, and for Bruce, clearly it's dancing. Well, he, he's yes, hired at Coombs Corner tonight for the entertainment factor tonight. <laughs> That's sure. Hey, Coombs, uh... Uh, being out here at the ballpark, what, you know, you've been out here a lot uh, doing your homework, watching the team. When you look at the guys' BPs compared to someone like me, you know, who didn't play the game, uh, what are you looking at for how the, the player is uh, manipulating batting practice? Well, I, I look at a few different things. If a guy is I, – I really try to pay attention if a guy is 
really working on something in particular. Um, like, uh, for instance, today, the first two rounds of batting practice today, um, it's, a, it's our first group. So it's Rizzo, Baez, KB, and Schwartz. So Anthony, to start out his first round of BP, hit everything to left field or foul to the left field side um, down the third base line. And he hasn't swung in the last few days because it's back. So what he's trying to do there is find timing and get get that contact point of where he wants to hit the baseball. And that's how you do that. So to me, right away, you know, Anthony is locked in on, on what he's trying to accomplish during batting practice because he hasn't hit in probably, you know, maybe three days or so. Um, so I look at little things like that. I'll, I'll look at KB and see how many times he's going to try to drive the ball to the middle of the diamond because I know that's one of the things he's going to really try to do this year. And then, you know, there are other times guys, you know, they just they practice certain things. You know, like today, it looks like Javi's practicing trying to get out in front and really drive the ball to left field because two days ago he did the same thing Rizzo was doing and hitting the ball the other way. So, you know, each guy has their own little different thing that they're working on each day. Um, and I, I try to pay attention to that and kind of log it in my memory of understanding what they're doing. Visiting with Ron Coomer, who is live at Wrigley Field on Inside the Clubhouse on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. And thanks for the breaking news update that Anthony Rizzo is uh, back taking swings after uh, sitting out the last couple of days, or at least sitting in the stands uh, watching his teammates <laughs> as he was resting uh, the bad back. And I love what he had to say about how he's never really been in the stands watching as a spectator, and he's been taken aback by just the spectacular beauty of Wrigley Field. We always talk about it on the air, but he's usually playing and doesn't hear that, Coom. Yeah, he got a chance the other day. It was like, where's Rizzo? He was all over the ballpark <laughs> the other day. He was in left field. He was in the, the top you know, row of the bleachers and left, and then he's down the left field line and you know he's behind old plate then he's on top of the dugout you know it was you had to keep your eye out for where he was going to pop up next but you know I, I think it's important for guys too sometimes to have a little fun like that and, and and you know as Wrigley Field as you know Zach it's we come here to work every day it's gorgeous I sat in those bleachers as a little kid with my dad and just understand the you know kind of what this ballpark means to to our fans and and for, for Tony to sit out there, he was missing a dog and a beer, but besides that, it was okay. <laughs> Something you can get all the time at Coombs Corner, by the way. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. We'll 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 serve a few of them tonight, Bruce. But you got to let me know what time you're going to be performing tonight, so I can let our fans know at the all right, Well, sometime after closing, I believe. <laughs> Ron Coomer, hey, our guest on Inside the Clubhouse. Go ahead, Zach. No, Coomer, I was going to ask you, because you, you were talking about the individual routines that, that guys have. Can you take us through some of uh, the drills that David Ross is running for his squad that maybe is different than what we've seen the last few years? Well, I don't know if different, because baseball is pretty routine, right? I mean... I, I think the one thing that we're seeing a lot more of um, this year, Zach, is teamwork, right? And what I, I don't mean, you know, rah, rah, go team. I mean, <laughs> defensive um, skills work together as a unit, as the whole infield, right? Um, and the whole outfield working together. Right now, every player is on the field 
um, doing something, whether the outfielders are, are chasing down fly balls, the infielders have already done their infield work um, as a unit. They took all their ground balls, they turned double plays, they made plays in the hole, they did everything you're supposed to do. And that's the one thing I think David really wanted to get back to with this Cubs ball club, is doing things together as a unit, as opposed to individual work um, that was going on the last few years. And, you know, to me, both ways work, you know, it really does. But, you know, I, the Cubs felt that that was, that was lacking a little bit. So that's probably the biggest focus that I see is on a defensive side with David um, having the unit all together. Here's a question I guarantee you've never gotten from anybody. I'm very confident in this. <laughs> is there a class they teach or is there a coach that teaches the art of standing around during batting practice and conversing and also uh, making sure the uniform is fitting in certain areas and not and how to uh, make sure that uh, the functions of uh, everything that you have on your body are okay as you're getting used to uh, being out on that field. Well, I, I have never been coached in how to stand around for BP. Um, as an infielder, you know, we were usually around the infield, so you had to really pay attention because the balls come sizzling at you pretty quick. Um, and, you know, I think the, uh, the thing with all the clothing and, you know, right now, I don't think there's one guy on the field that's in full uniform. Everybody's in shorts. Most guys now wear tights instead of just, um, you know, kind of the, the spandexy type shorts underneath your gym shorts that guys are wearing. And, you know, most guys are in T-shirts. So nobody's in a, in a full uniform in this workout. Uh, and I've always left that up to the Adidas's of the world, Bruce, to let them, you know, <laughs> if they sent it to me, I, I figured there were smarter people than me that were figuring out what it's supposed to fit like and go like, and I, and I was good. I wasn't... You know, GQ Magazine wasn't calling Ron Coomer, I'll tell you that. So Somehow I don't see Tom <laughs> Kelly uh, embracing the uh, outfits that players use for uh, batting practice out on the field uh, like we see right now. Um, no, he that would not fly. That He would start chewing right through his cigar if he saw something <laughs> that right <about> <laughs> Hey, Coom, the other day we learned that you Darvish has another pitch that he's added to his menu of pitches. And that is, I believe the, the simple way to describe it is a two-seam split ball that he calls the Supreme. Have you had a chance to see it in action and give us an idea of how that would fool a hitter compared to a regular split finger? Well, um, I don't know if I've seen it because we're sitting up here and I didn't get a chance to hear him talk about it other than you know, before, you know, we were watching him throw in in the simulated game that we had or the inter-squad game. I can tell you what it's going to do. Um, when he splits his fingers, so when you throw a two-seam fastball, um, what you're doing is you're trying to get more movement on the ball. The most sinker ballers do that. They get on top of the baseball and cut it loose, and the ball runs to one side of the plate or the other and usually has some sinking movement to it going down. So what's going to happen with his split finger now, instead of throwing it, you know, with the horseshoe and the four seams tumbling, what you're doing with the two seams, and when he splits his fingers out, he's going to be able to get the downward movement on that pitch. But then depending on which finger he puts pressure on the baseball, whether it be his middle finger 
or his index finger, that ball not only is going to go down, but it's going to go one way or the other for him. So it gives him an off-speed pitch that he can control a la Kyle Hendricks with his change, and it can go one way or the other. And I think, you know, for, for Darvish, let's say he's got a really good left-handed hitter in there and wants to go to something soft. That gives him something that's going to dive down and away from a left-handed hitter. Um, and or the right-handed hitter, he puts pressure on his middle finger with that split, and he's going to get something that's going to be an off-speed pitch that's much slower than his slider, and it's going to dive down and away from the righty. Yeah, you know, the Astros used to throw pitches like that back in the 70s and 80s, but they had a little help with it uh, because <laughs> they are they were, you know, using a little bit of, um, you know, some substance to make sure that, I mean, guys like Mike Scott were impossible oh. to hit to begin with, but he threw the splitter and the ball went down three inches and then moved to the left or right two inches to the point where he was unhittable. Yeah, well, they, they were using sandpaper in their hand and scuffing the ball and <laughs> doing all kinds of stuff and maybe a little grease and formula. He didn't, he didn't need any back in the day. It wasn't gel back in the day. Some of that grease and formula <laughs> could end up on the baseball. Um, you name it, they were doing it. But um, Darvish is one of those guys because of his physique and his hand size. You know, I think the split finger is really good. He's got big hands, and he can get that baseball jammed into those two fingers and really make that an effective pitch without using anything else. Yeah, I feel like we have to get Jim Deshays on to kind of get the inside scoop on truly what He's the He's not going to squeal. Doing. He will not squeal <laughs> on his teammates. He A lot of time has passed. But, yeah, I, I agree with you, Bruce. Hey, Coom, Craig Kimbrell is such a pivotal part for the Cubs this season. What's different about him? What does he have to do differently this year to get himself more like the Red Sox version that we saw as opposed to the guy that was with the Cubs last year? Well, I really like this winter that he went home and he had, Bruce, you you know the, the equipment he was using. It's escaping me right Rap now. Soto, yeah. There you go. So so he, he went home and he was using some some new equipment that's out there to really um, give him an idea of arm angle, depth of pitches, um, and things like that, Zach, and work at that. Because as a hitter, when I looked at when I looked at him this past year, when he came to the Cubs, his arm angle had really come down, so he was much more of a three-quarter delivery guy. And to me, um, he everything to me stayed on the same plane. So no matter what he was doing, that fastball didn't have any any movement going down or any ride, you know, even though he's throwing hard. And when you stay on the same plane with your fastball, one, that makes it much easier for the hitter to hit. And then when you don't command your fastball and you throw quite a few of them in the middle of the plate, hitters are going to do some damage, especially when you come in, everybody's juiced up in the eighth or ninth inning with the game on the line. And that's what he was doing. So, you know, you're usually facing the best part of the lineup and guys are all juiced up to hit the closer. The game is on the line. And he, you know, he paid the price for some of that and giving up some home runs because of lack of command on the fastball. What you said is really the case, Ron. Uh, You hit it on the nail. And he said, as all really good pitchers talk about, he's got to establish his breaking ball again. Uh, if he can do that and throw it for a strike, not just uh, what we saw last year where it was all over the place, 
He's going to be back to being the pitcher he was, don't you think? Without question. He's got a great arm. His arm is fine. He's still a young man. He's 32, I think. Um, so all of those things still, to me, are fine. Throwing strikes with his breaking ball and getting a little more downward tilt with that fastball, I think both of those things will, will come into play. And, and I'll take it one step farther, Bruce, with the breaking ball. If he can flip that curveball over and get strike one, you know, we see, you know, Kyle Hendricks starting to do that the last few years, where Kyle, instead of fastball changeup all the time, he'll just flip in a, a little curveball, a get-me-over strike pitch that hitters aren't looking for, and now all of a sudden you're ahead in the count. Well, with Kimbrell, if he gets, if he's 0-1, 0-2, the swings are going to be totally different than if he's 2-1, 3-1. So I think, to your point, Bruce, it's very important early in the count that he gets that breaking ball over for strike one and pitches ahead. Coom, is anything decided yet from the standpoint of second base, center field? Is it being decided right now as we speak, or is David Ross going to wait for these three exhibitions before he has a, a good idea of how he wants to go into the season with his personnel? I think it's decided. I, I really do. I, I really feel like um, when you only have three exhibition games, you saw what guys could do in spring training, you know, in March, um, and you have a really good idea of what you got. I think the only big question mark is is uh, Nico at second base. Is he going to be able to perform at this level and 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 do it day to day? You know, so I think they're going to give him a little help uh, with Kipnis playing against the right-handers and Nico playing against the left-handed pitchers um, and kind of ease him into the big leagues and, and put him in good good situations where he can succeed. Um, I think David Bodie's another guy you got to think about because he brings that thunder to home plate. You know, he catches the ball just fine, but, you know, at any moment he can change the game with a three-run homer. So he's got to be in the mix, but I really think it's a two-man race with Kipnis and Nico as of right now today. That's what I'm seeing. And then the other thing is center field is the other position, you know, that's kind of up in the air. And I I don't think David will say this up until close to opening day, but I, I feel like right now um, Ian Happ is probably your starting center fielder as of today. If they had to put a team out there, he would probably be your starting center fielder. But, you know, we still got, what is it, 12 days left, Brucey, before we yep. break camp and start to play. So that may change a little but. As of today, that's the way I'm seeing what's going on in the field. Coombs, it was great social distancing between booze here at Wrigley Field with you. Uh, we'll keep doing that. And thank you for joining Zach and I inside the clubhouse. And uh, we'll uh, talk to you soon. I, can't, I know you can't wait for you, Pat, and Zach to be doing it for real 12 days from now. Yeah, we're in our new booth now. Everything's nice and clean and all fixed up. So... You know, I was listening to Stoney talk earlier and how, how much he's missing baseball. And you and I and Z and Pat, we're all missing it. So we're really looking forward to getting back to back to our season. Thanks for joining us. Take care and uh, keep looking at you, pal. Take care. <laughs> Absolutely, Brucey. As long as you guys are safe and able to continue to communicate the way you are, that's good enough for me. It's good enough for all of us. Hey, Bruce, let's take a break. When we come back, Cubs chairman Tom Ricketts had some very interesting comments this past week. We will listen to some of it next on Inside the Clubhouse on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. 
with Bruce Levine at Wrigley Field. I'm Zach Zidman, broadcasting live from the Hyundai Studios, brought to you by your local Hyundai dealers. This is Inside the Clubhouse on Chicago Sports Radio 670, The Score. So, Bruce, it's no secret that negotiations to get to this point where we're going to have baseball in 12 days, it was ugly, the discussions between the players and owners. And this week, Cubs chairman Tom Ricketts sat down with Len and J.D. on their podcast, Open Concessions, and he talked about the lessons learned from the dispute during the layoff. I hope that right now everyone takes a deep breath and reminds ourselves, both from a, from the club standpoint and from the player standpoint, that we really are partners. I mean, we're in this together. I mean, this is we are two sides of the same coin, and hopefully, as we go looking as we go into the future and look at other negotiations that are coming up, that we remind ourselves of that. Yeah, that's the key because Bruce, you talked about it earlier in the show, December 2021, the current collective bargaining agreement expires. And if you're going to get long-term health between the players and owners, you cannot have the kind of mistrust that was exhibited over the last few months between the two sides. Absolutely not. And just from the perspective of um, fan relations, you know, you have to show some solidarity to make the fans feel comfortable that you're not controlling the game away from them it's their game you might be making the money out of it you might be supplying all the things around it but without them and their inclusion into uh being important uh you you you're gonna lose it so um fan uh players and owners cannot afford to have that image of baseball any longer by the way appreciate you joining us today on inside the clubhouse sitting in for matt we hope that uh, Ruben, his son, is on the complete mend and doing well. I will talk to you again next week. People can follow me on Twitter at MLB Bruce Levine. Also on our website, I write Cubs and Sox stories at 670thescore.com. Special thanks to Mitch Rosen, our uh, director of everything at The Score, and Joe Rios of the Cubs for uh, getting me in the booth here today and letting me uh, do this from here, as well as our guests, uh, Aaron Bummer, Ron Coomer, and Steve Stone as well. Adam Szynski, a tremendous job as always producing our show. Bruce, before we say goodbye, give me the things that you're most interested in learning about the Cubs and White Sox this upcoming week. Uh, Who the starting pitcher for opening day? Uh, We're assuming it's going to be you, Darvish, and... uh, um, we're, we're assuming that it's going to be Giolito, but we don't know that. And also seeing how uh, the bullpens line up and getting some length out of the bullpen guys on both sides so that they'll be able to finish those first 10 days or two weeks of games while pitchers are still building their arms up. I think that's going to be the key to the quick start for both teams. By the way, our friends Mark Grody and Steve Rosenblum are up next, are they not? They are right here on Chicago Sports Radio 670, The Score. For Bruce Levine, I'm Zach Zaidman. Thank you so much for spending time with us talking baseball on Inside the Clubhouse. And also, as Bruce said, a special thank you to our executive producer, Adam Stutzinski. 
This is Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.